Okay, let's, uh, let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, uh, we thank you for the, the great privilege it is to, to gather together, to worship you, to learn from your word. And, uh, God, I just pray that you would be with us as we uh, study what your word says about the heart, that we would uh, come to a, a fuller understanding. Uh, Lord, that we would uh, just see how um, intimately uh, our our inner thought life is is tied up in our either obedience to you or our rebellion against you. Uh, God, just that we would have a fuller understanding and be uh, more prepared uh, to to live this life that you have called us to uh, in this struggle against sin. Uh, that we would have just the full understanding of how much, um, particularly our minds this morning, um, are are related to uh, the sins that we continue to commit. And uh, God, just that you would grant us, uh, by your uh, great power, the ability to overcome these things and live in a way that is pleasing to you. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we are continuing our series here on uh, understanding the heart. Um, Last week, we explored the fact that the Bible uses uh, the word heart differently than we typically do in our culture. Uh, we're often encouraged to prioritize the heart over the mind, uh, but when the Bible speaks of the heart, the mind is included. Um, if you weren't here last week, uh, and that sounds strange, I would encourage you to go to our website and listen to last week's lesson. Uh, and if you want to go even deeper, uh, then I suggest that you uh, get a hold of this book, With All Your Heart, uh, by Craig Troxell, and, uh, and look at chapter one. Uh, he goes into more detail than Pastor Rick was able to cover in the time he had uh, last week, uh, but definitely um, very worth your while. Um, also, I will mention, uh, Pastor Rick had this handout uh, last week. There are still some available back there if you did not get one last week. Uh, so. Feel free to do that. That's very useful in understanding the the, uh, the different aspects of our heart um, and its relation to sin and its relation to uh, our Redeemer and his offices and how, how those offices address the problems in our heart. Um, so this week we're going to build on the understanding that our minds are a part or aspect of our hearts and consider how our minds are involved in the sins we commit. Then next week we're going to examine how Christ in his office of prophet speaks to our mental problem, as it were. So the sins of the mind. Um, it can be tempting to think that sin is limited to what we say or what we do, um, but can we sin by our very thoughts? Uh after all, uh, no one can see our thoughts, right? Um, whatever's going on inside of our head, nobody sees that. Doesn't doesn't affect anybody. Um, it, it doesn't harm anyone, at least directly. Uh, so does that mean that like what's going on inside of our head is is you can't have sin there? It's only sin when it comes out. Um, well, as long. Uh, well, I mean, it's the idea that as long as we can conform to God's law externally, uh, our thoughts can be whatever we please. That would be the idea there. 
Um, now this type of thinking um, is what Jesus addressed very forcefully in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, for example, uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So according to Jesus, uh, refraining from murder is not enough in order to say that you've kept the commandment, you shall not murder. Um, you must also refrain from anger. I mean, that's, that's a, it's, you're really not keeping the commandment, you shall not murder. If you're thinking in your head, man, I wish that person was dead, um, but you're still not, you know, acting on that. That's not really what it means to obey the commandment. So your mind is involved. Um, and then in verse 27, um, he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if you fantasize about it, then in your heart, you've already done it. Uh, you have sinned with your thoughts, even though uh, you keep your words and actions in line with God's law. So it's just very important that we understand that sin um, sin is in our mind as well. Um, you know, we often hear the phrase, you know, sinning in thought, word, or deed. And, you know, I mean, you know, there's the word and deed, that's the obvious one, but the thoughts, it's there too. Um, so that's a very important part um, of our understanding of sin and of the mind. Um, Jesus goes on to call his disciples to guard their inner thoughts against hypocrisy avarice and greed, worldliness and anxiety, uh, self-righteousness and judging others, all of which pertain to the mind of the heart. Um, you see that just all over in the Sermon on the Mount in particular. Well, consider the, the sin of our first parents. Um, was it limited to an external action of eating the fruit? What do you think? Try to get some interaction here. No, eating the fruit was the outworking of their heart. They, mm -hmm. uh, they wanted, they desired, they envied to be like God. Mm -hmm. Right, right, yeah. Um, Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 6 says, uh, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was uh, to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So there was something going on in Eve's mind before she actually took the fruit, right? Um, she was deceived into thinking that something was good for food that God had told her would bring death. Um, she had, in a sense there, rebelled against God by thinking something that was just untrue and contrary to what God had explicitly told her. Um, in the days of Noah, uh, what was God's assessment of the people of the earth? Um, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention 
of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So was it just their actions that were that were a problem? No. What what else was wrong? Every intention of their heart. Mm-hmm. Every intention of their heart. And interestingly, every intention of the thoughts of their heart. So again, uh, bringing up the the point that Pastor Rick uh, taught us last week, uh, you know that your your heart has thoughts yeah, from from a biblical perspective. Um, if we understand what the Bible means when it talks about our heart. It's including our thinking. So the thoughts of our heart, every intention of the thoughts of their heart was only uh, evil continually. Um, The fall uh, into sin has had profound impact, not just on the will, but even on the intellect. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, uh, speaking of the those who have... uh, gone their own way um, it says uh, for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened so you see it there again right you see the thinking you see the heart uh, their their thinking is futile it's it's pointless it's it's not accomplishing anything um, their hearts are darkened uh, as, you know, in contrast with the idea of light and light being knowledge, their 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 hearts are darkened. It's um, their their ability to even understand things is severely hampered, um, and this is something that is a result of the fall. This is something that has affected all of mankind. Um, it's often called the noetic effects of sin, if you want the the technical term of that. Um, and of course, this is speaking specifically of unbelievers. Um, is this true of believers as well? I mean, when we become believers, does does all of that just clear up and we uh, start thinking properly all the time? No. No. Um, yeah, even as believers, our, our minds are not completely free from these effects. Uh, James, uh, as he's writing to a group of Christians... He chastises his readers uh, in James chapter 2, verse 4. He says, Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So he's you know, talking to these Christians and saying, You're having evil thoughts. Um, this is something that, that is a it's a it's something that affects uh, believers and unbelievers alike. Um, affects uh, obviously belie- believers less than it affects unbelievers but uh, um, we will we'll deal with that more next week but um, but it's 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 something that we have to deal with as we as Christians attempt to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God uh, the oft-quoted passage from Jeremiah expresses it plainly Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, who can understand? What does that mean? What, how would how would we understand that passage? Deceitful above all things. I mean, that that's telling us that our heart, if we if we follow our desires, we're not going to be naturally following God. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And why is that? Why? Um, what, what, how does how exactly does the heart fit into that? I mean, you you mentioned it being deceitful. 
What does what does the heart do? I would say, well, our, our heart is it's our desires, it's our wants, it's our mm-hmm. it's our natural inclinations, and because of the fall, mm-hmm. it is sick. It is naturally it's not going to be seeking after God's truth. It's going to be seeking after sin. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when it comes across truth that goes contrary to its desires, your heart's going to try to trick you. It's going to try to deceive you. It's going to try to to mess with your thinking um, and um, and to, to make you think in a way contrary to what God's law says. Um, it's, it's very good at tricking us, at, at, at enabling us to, to justify ourselves when we are seeking to do sin. Um, John Calvin observed uh, that it is so completely decked out with deceiving hypocrisy that it often dupes itself. Um, just, it's just the idea that um, that our our sinfulness is going to, as we encounter God's word, and we say, okay, here's here's what I ought to do, but here's what I want to do, and then your heart's going to find a way to rationalize it, to make it seem like, okay, no, this is this it is okay to, to go this direction, um, and so we have to be very aware of that as we're fighting against sin, that our heart is going to try to trick us. Our heart is going to uh, find ways to justify uh, the sin that we desire to follow uh, rather than to simply obey God's word. Um, And in light of this, uh, we should pray with David. Psalm 139, verse 23, where he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Why is that so important? Well, we we can't tell the difference of when we're being deceived, mm-hmm. you know, and so we need God to show us what's truly true and what's where we're being led astray. Yeah, if we just rely on ourselves, we're just gonna just follow whatever basically we want to do, right? But. Uh, if God gets involved, then He's gonna He's gonna show us that deception that we're uh, that we're that we're pulling on, on ourselves, um, and and help us to understand what it is that uh, we really ought to be doing. Um, so yeah, we we ought to be praying those things that God would search us, that He would that He would test our motives, that He would uh, that He would test our thinking and help us to understand where our thinking has gone astray because of the deceitfulness of our own hearts. Um, so is the is the problem rooted in our ignorance? Um, do we just not know what God requires of us? Should be, a, should be an easy answer there. No, it's like we know, we know what God requires of us, right? I mean, it's like... We read God's word. We have all this information about what God has said. We have God's law. We know the standard, but still we sin. Um, Romans chapter 3, verse 20 says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Um, the, the, the fact that we have the word of God, we have laid out for us, uh, in express detail, um, in all sorts of ways, uh, what it is that God requires of us, um, 
that that shows us um, what God wants, and it shows us our sin. Um, we can't uh, we can't look at it and say, well, well, you know, I was I was really doing everything that I knew, um, and I just didn't understand that I was um, that I was violating God's law. We have been, um, I mean, especially those of us who have spent a long time in the church, uh, we really know God's word. And we, we have no excuse of saying, well, it's like, well, I just don't know what God's law says. Um, we know it, um, but still, still we sin. Still we violate it. It's like the, there's, a, there's a mental problem going on, but it isn't the mental problem of we just don't have the knowledge. Um, it's, a, it's a mental problem of we know it, but we still choose to do something different. Um, consider Paul's discussion of coveting. In Romans chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 7, he says, uh, What shall we say then? Is uh, that the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet. If the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. So when we consider that, um, one thing that's worth noting here um, is, uh, is is coveting a, an external action? And this kind of goes back to our previous point. But it's internal. It's internal, right? I mean, it's, it's actually kind of interesting that like when you when you look at the Ten Commandments, the first nine, you could judge whether somebody is obeying them by their actions because all of them you know involve external actions. But the tenth one is is a little different because it's like you can't actually see if somebody's doing it or not. Really, like once they once they start acting on it, then they're violating the commandment not to steal rather than um, than uh, the one not to covet. But um, but yeah, it's a, it's an internal thing. It's like one of the ten commandments expressly is a command that deals with the thoughts, uh, that deals with the with the inner life and not just externals. Um, but then also consider, uh, did Paul's problem with coveting disappear when he learned God's law? No, no, no. I, he, he's, he says it's like oh, I just like that just caused me to just want to covet even more. And sometimes like God's law can have that effect on us, right? I mean, sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we come to, to church on Sunday, we hear God's word proclaimed to us and we could be tempted to just like uh, yeah that's kind of what I want to do that thing that Pastor Rick said I shouldn't do that's that's kind of what I want to do um, and it seems like that's really a, the difference between knowledge and understanding right uh-huh. knowledge is one thing understanding is a different we, we have knowledge everyone has knowledge of what God's law is it's written on our hearts it's seen in creation mm-hmm. it's in his word mm-hmm. but understanding comes to the depth of that knowledge and also mm-hmm. the interpretation, the wisdom to interpret that knowledge, right? right? And that's yeah. really where the whole the whole crux of this is, is when we have the understanding and then the wisdom to act on that understanding mm-hmm. to follow God's law, where it doesn't make sense human-wise. It's not our right. natural inclination, right? Right. But that's, that's the crux of the matter is not the knowledge of God's law, mm-hmm. but the understanding and then the wisdom and the faith to act on it. Sure, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it's like, there's some aspects of the law of God that it's like, well, how exactly does that apply to this situation I'm in? Um, and it, it really does require that wisdom, that understanding how to apply it. And you mentioned faith as well, where, 
Um, oftentimes, it, we, we look at the situation, we say, okay, well, I know God's word says I should do this, but if I do that, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have some unpleasant consequences, and you know, I know God says that it's the right thing to do anyway, but I just don't know. It's, it seems like it's gonna go really badly if I do that, so I sh- I'm gonna do this because it seems safer. Um, and not really have the faith that what God says is best. So, yeah, it's it takes a whole lot of stuff, more than just the bare knowledge of here's the law. So, yeah, definitely. Um, Chris, yeah, I mean the other thing too is like we're sort of we're sort of dividing out the mind and the mm-hmm. desires and the will, but mm-hmm. the reality is those things are way more interactive and right. you know it's it's not as convenient to divide this out as we live life mm-hmm. so. yeah yeah those are those are different aspects of the heart in what scripture talks about um, but they they don't really function independently they they, they influence each other um, and uh, you know so it's 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 really hard to yeah in the actual event where you're you know where you're trying to make a decision of what to do it's very hard to parse these things out. Uh, but um, and, and uh, Troxel makes that you know makes that point in this book. Uh, but it's still it's also very helpful to kind of split them up and analyze them separately just to have a, a more precise understanding of them. But that's a, but that is a good point. So we know what we're to do, but we fail to do it. Um, the word sin uh, in both Hebrew and Greek carry the idea of missing the mark or falling short. If you just look at the the actual Greek and Hebrew words, they, they have that connotation. Uh, just an example, uh, Judges chapter 20, verse 16, uh, says, among all, those, among all these were 700 chosen men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. And so the idea there of missing, the thing that they weren't doing, the idea of missing is the idea, is the, is the same word for sin there. So the idea of, of sinning is it's almost like you've got a target there and you're trying to hit it and you miss it. Um, and that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a very, in one sense it's a very helpful picture of sin, in another sense it can lead us in a direction that we don't want to go. Um, it is very helpful as we understand, it's like here's God's law, here's the standard, this is what we're aiming for, we should try to hit this target. Uh, but Sometimes you can look at it like, well, I was trying to hit the target, and I kind of just fell a little bit short. And we can start to use that as an excuse and say, well, you know, I was really trying, um, but uh, I just didn't quite get there. So so we may be tempted to say that falling short um, is not very serious. Um, It's very easy to fall into the deception that uh, blatant transgressions are serious, but uh, neglect of duties, for example... Uh, is just a, a small thing. Um, that's something that we can be tempted. To, we could be tempted to do. Uh, consider the words of the prophet Samuel, First uh, Samuel chapter twelve, verse twenty-three. Um, Samuel says, "Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way." Now, when you consider that, um, it's like ceasing to pray for somebody I mean that's I mean in a sense I mean it's like this is a convicting verse for me because it's like do I pray for people as much as I should 
Um, you know, and it's it's really, really easy to look at that type of thing. And it's like, well, you know, I was busy, I had these other things going on, or uh, it slipped my mind, or whatever. Um, and you say, well, it's like, I mean, it's not like I was going out and, you know, murdering people. I just, you know, just didn't get around to praying for, you know, something that, you know, that I was, you know, planning to pray for. Um, and it can, it can be very easy to look at that and say, oh, well, it's not really that big of a deal. Um, but when you look at, you know, at Samuel's uh, reaction just to this idea, you know, and the people had said, you know, pray for us because they were, they had asked for a king and they were, um, the, then they were aware that they were not very pleasing to God in what they were doing. And they were like, hey, pray for us so that we don't die. Um, but Samuel's like, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. He took it very seriously. Um, just something as simple as, like, are you being diligent in praying for people? Um, so I don't know about the rest of you, but that's a—I mean, that's a convicting one for me because I don't—I don't pray for people as much as I ought. Um, but sin is sin is very serious. Even um, even the the stuff that that seems um, pretty mundane. Uh, failing to do what we know is right is serious because we are falling short of loving God with all our heart. And that's God's, I mean, that's the, that's the greatest command, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart. Um, so we're failing to do that when we fail to do what we know is right. And that makes it, it's serious sin. Uh, you can't make the excuse, but I didn't do anything. Uh, I mean, you were supposed to do something. You know, it's again, you can you can think of it as like, well, you know, it's, you're doing these things. This is the real serious sin. But this is something I just didn't do something. But that's um, that that's serious sin. Uh, such excuses, sorry, such excuses often mask our passive rebellion, laziness, cowardice, and lack of diligence. Was a point that uh, Troxel made that I thought was was very worthwhile. That like really when we're you know when we're failing to do what God requires, um, just even in the little things, there's there's some sin behind that. There's something um, that's going on in our heart that is causing us to be uh, negligent in obeying what God has commanded. Even if we perform most of what God requires, that still does not justify our failure. Um, another example of this, uh, Saul was told to destroy the Amalekites, including their livestock. Now, when Samuel, arrived, uh, when Samuel arrived, Saul declared that he had obeyed God's command. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to... Yeah, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Does anybody remember what Samuel's response was? What's all this noise I hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, and Samuel said, "What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear?" I mean, that's you know, it's like it's one of those stories you remember really well because it's a that's a good response. Um, but yeah, it's like. Saul, he's claiming it's like, oh yeah, I did what God commanded. I went and I went and you know destroyed the Amalekites. And it's like, okay, did you really do everything you were commanded? 
because there's all these animals here. Um, now, when Saul, um, well, uh, once once Samuel had said that, then Saul he had an excuse, right? He didn't just let it go at that. He's like, "Well, wait, wait a second here, uh, Samuel. There's a reason that we didn't uh, kill all the animals." Uh, we kept them in order to sacrifice to God. That was that was what we were la- uh, what we were after. So we were we were after a good thing. Um, does anybody remember what Samuel replied to that? And Samuel said, "Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen." than the fat of rams. Now that's something that, um, again, it takes some some wisdom to understand how to apply that to our lives, but I think if we think about it, uh, we can see how that can apply because aren't our hearts uh, always trying to persuade us that, well, I know this isn't really what God wants me to do, but look at this good thing I can get out of it for God. Um, and it's not really that that was our aim. It's just we're coming up with that as an excuse for why it is that we're violating what God's law says. Um, you know, and that can vary very much, you know, situation to situation. Um, and it can be, you know, it can be difficult because um, obviously, like, doing good things for God, that's something that we desire to do. That's something that we ought to desire to do. Uh, but our heart can trick us into thinking that that's really what we're after when really we're just finding an excuse to avoid doing what God has expressly commanded us to do. So it's definitely something that, that hopefully we can we can think about and apply as we uh, as we consider our lives and the, the situations we face. Another way that we uh, that we sin, um, another way that we miss the mark, um, is by missing the way or wandering from the path. This is something that the Bible uh, constantly warns us about in, in terms of of turning aside or going back or backsliding or all sorts of terms appear uh, where, in a sense, somebody's going strong and then they turn aside for for one. For one reason or another, um, many warnings in Scripture. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning in verse 17, um, says, "But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will sure you shall surely perish." Um, and again, we look at that and we're like, "Oh well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go and." You know, bow down to some idol. Um, I'm, I'm going to continue to worship the true God. But um, if we understand how to apply that to our lives, it's um, there are so many things in our lives today that are competing for our attention, competing for our affection, um, and it can be very tempting to say, "Okay, well, this is the this is the thing that." That, that your your heart is really set on and you, you go after that and yeah you still go to church you still go through the motions 
but your heart really is with that other thing when you're when you're sitting in church your your mind is thinking about that other thing um, and what that thing is is going to be just vastly different depending on who you are all all sorts of people have different things that they really care about um, and it's it, you know it's not bad to care about other things but what we need to understand what we need to to guard our hearts against is Setting something else up as an idol as being the thing that our affection is really set on uh, apart from the Lord. Our, our affection should be set on the Lord. He's the one that we should seek. And that everything else that we uh, that, that's in our lives needs to be subservient to that. And that could be, I mean, that can be very hard to figure out. And our, our hearts can easily deceive us. And it's like, well, I'm still going to church. I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still doing all these things. Um... And but yet, really, our affections have been set on something else. So that's a that's a real warning uh, that uh, that our hearts can can go astray in that way. First um, Samuel chapter twelve verse twenty, uh, and Samuel said to the people, "Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart." So again, that's back in that passage where they've. Uh, where they've asked for a king uh, and basically rejected God as their king. Um, and Samuel is warning them to not turn aside from following the Lord, but to serve the Lord with all their heart. What else in this passage is, 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 there, is there something particularly encouraging in this passage? I know there is for me. Do not be afraid. Okay, yeah, do not be afraid. Yeah, there's an opportunity to repent because yeah, it's like, don't be afraid. You have done all this evil. So he's talking to people that it's like they haven't necessarily been perfect up to this point. He's talking to people that yeah, they've fallen. They've they've gone a different way. They've you know their particular sin was you know they've asked for a king. They're like you know God's not good enough for us. Basically, we want a king like the other nations, um, and. Um, and Samuel was telling them, "Look, you've you've done this sin. You've you've basically rejected God. Um, uh, but don't fear. Even though you've done this, seek the Lord, follow Him. Don't turn aside. Um, and for me, that's a great encouragement as I stumble and, and fall in my Christian walk. That it's like it's you know, in a sense, it's not too late. You can you can still follow the Lord." But uh, I, I was just going to say, at the end of that passage, he, he, he ends it with a warning saying, uh, but if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, you and your king. And it's uh, it, uh, it's kind of a warning. Like, it's a great passage because it's saying, yeah, there's never it's never too late. You can always turn back to God as long as it's still dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still alive. You can turn back to God. But if you continue in this sin, mm-hmm. and, and that's where your heart is, you're not turning and repenting, trusting in God, trusting Christ, then you're going to be swept away in judgment. Yeah, eventually. yeah, that's that's exactly right. So it's, there's always that warning: don't don't turn aside, don't drift away. Um, but um, there's the there's the promise that you know if you don't, then um, then you know you don't have any reason to fear. But if you continue in this direction, if you continue to go off course, um, <clears throat> destruction awaits. I was just going to say, you know, just 
the whole mention that you have done all this evil, mm-hmm. you know, to your point earlier, you know, we oftentimes see ourselves as just sort of falling a little short. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really view it mm-hmm. as evil mm-hmm. or wickedness. You yeah. know, it's just if we viewed our sin in that way, I think it would radically yeah. uh, change how maybe mm-hmm. we we lived our lives too as well. Yeah, yeah, we do. We dare. We very much have a tendency to minimize the the evilness of our sin. But Samuel is it's pretty clear here. You've done all this evil, um, so it's it's a bad deal. Um, but you know, and that's why, in a sense, we should be wanting to turn away from that, and and to to follow after God because those things really are evil. When you um, when you reject God, when you start to turn away, when you start to set your affections on something else, um, that really is uh, an evil thing, and you need to uh, repent of that and uh, seek after God, make Him first in your life. Um, second, uh, second John verse nine. Uh, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And so there we see another warning about uh, basically going astray. And excuse me. And John is like very explicit about the the consequences of this. Um, if you if you go this direction, you don't have God. Um, that's I mean that's that's ultimately what's going on there. But if you continue, if you if you stay on the path, you have both the Father and the Son. Um, and so I mean that's that's a warning for us. Um, Deuteronomy chapter five verse thirty-two: You shall be careful. To do as the Lord your God commanded you, you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Um, those are those are the warnings. Um, again, and and just to just to be absolutely clear, uh, that's not like you need to um, obey in order to make yourself acceptable to God. It's, it's not at all what uh, what this is talking about, but. Um, if you do belong to God, if you are by faith a child of God and perfectly righteous in Christ, then you will follow the path of righteousness. Not perfectly, but that's the direction you're going to go. And if you turn aside, that's an indication that God really has not been working in your heart. And so um, as just a warning for uh, believers and a warning for unbelievers who think they're believers... Uh, if you go that direction, um, there is destruction. For the believer, that's a warning just because we need that to keep us on the path, and that warning is going to keep us on the path. And for unbelievers, that may be the way that God wakens you up to your situation and causes you to be converted. Um, Proverbs uh, warns about uh, the adulteress. Again, another way that people can... Uh, can drift, can can go aside, um, and uh, it says in chapter seven, verse twenty-five: uh, Let not your heart turn aside to her ways; do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house 
is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Um, I mean, it's a it's a it's a historical reality that when you look at the church, um, there are many people who have fallen into sexual sin, and it's a it's it's a it's a devastating thing, and it um, it's something that that all of us should be very um, very aware of that danger, and not even try to even go down that path a little ways. I mean, I think very frequently what happens is that people say, "Well, I can kind of walk this path just a little bit, and but I won't go all the way." And then very soon they find themselves going fully down that path, and it leads to destruction. Um, and so uh, that's one of the ways that, that people are often led astray. Um, and it's something that we should be very, very careful about and, you know, and do everything we can to, to seek the Lord's help in not going down that direction. Now, although there are plenty of temptations that lure us away from our course, if we do wander away from the narrow road, then our first missteps occur much earlier. Uh, when we started to go astray in our heart, uh, that's the source of the evil things that we do. That's uh, when you see somebody who who really falls, um, uh, whether it be sexual sin or whether it be you know somebody who just leaves the church and does whatever. Uh, you know, when you see these people fall, it wasn't it, you. You may see it and like, wow, you know, that came out of nowhere. Uh, the reality is it, it never actually did come out of nowhere. There was something going on in their heart before that actually happened. Um, and it was something where um, they did not you know, guard their mind. They did not, they, they, they allowed this uh, basically to play out. And so that's a, a warning to us um, that we ought to be very careful with what's going on side of our mind because it can lead to destruction um, but what is in the heart is ultimately the source of the evil that we do uh, Matthew chapter 15 verse 19 uh, Jesus speaking he says for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false witness slander um, very clearly um, these are, these are not just external actions that we just do, but they are a reflection of what's going on in our heart. Um, and so um, when we, and even as believers, as we sin, we need to consider that. That's like, what's going on in my heart that's leading me in this direction? Um, and not just repent of the actual action that we performed, but, uh, but really try to, to seek and root out the sin in our heart um, and see what you know what it is that's going on there where we're where we're falling short. Well, our natural state apart from Christ is basically a damaged mind. Uh, that's that's our natural state. Ephesians chapter four verse eighteen uh, says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Um, so. You see there the, the the ignorance that they have, the the hardness of heart. Um, they the, they're 
their understanding is darkened. That's the natural state of mankind. Um, so the mind is just very affected uh, by the fall, by our sin. Um, Romans 8, chapter 7. Sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Um, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. Uh, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And so the the mind apart from Christ, it's completely unable to obey the law of God. The law of God is there, and whatever external obedience might be performed, ultimately nothing can actually be done by the unbeliever that is pleasing to God. Um, their, their heart is so opposed to... To, to God and His law, that it's uh, that it's completely uh, impossible. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four verse four. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, um, they're they're just. They're, they're blinded. They're kept from understanding the truth. Um, and our minds are influenced by sin, whether we are unbelievers or believers. Uh, in the unbeliever, sin is a cruel tyrant on the advance. Uh, in the believer, sin is retreating, is a retreating yet dangerous foe. And the difference is Christ. Um, that, is, that is really the only difference. Um, the if we are if we are not in a uh, a state of union with Christ, then really we have no hope in our fight against sin. Um, our mind is darkened, our will is bent towards sin, and that's the direction we're going to go. Uh, but when Christ appears in the in the uh, in the picture, uh, things change. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four verse six. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so when Christ enters in, he changes our mind. He changes our nature. He causes us to have some ability to think properly. It's not a, a, it's not a complete thing where we never you know, have, have problems in our mind. Um, but it's something where we actually have some ability to reason properly and to actually deal with our sin, to see it for what it is, and to be able to uh, correct our heart when it is seeking to deceive us, when it is seeking to make excuses for our sins. Um, and Ben? Well, I was just thinking, like, Proverbs had a lot of application with that, right? With wisdom and walking in wisdom and being able to discern what the right path is in a lot of situations. And there's a lot of practical wisdom there, but really that comes through Christ, that that's how he's working on heart, that's how we're able to start discerning those things. Right, yeah. Yeah, the book of Proverbs is, is definitely very good for that. But yes, it does. It requires Christ, or those things are not actually going to do anything for us. Um, so we must know Christ. Um, now our hearts... Uh, are meant to operate with knowledge, affections, and volition working in harmony with each other. 
um, it's kind of like what Pastor Rick had, had brought up that like we separate these things out, but you know they all do kind of work together, and they're meant to work uh, together. Uh, sometimes, um, as we as we struggle against sin, they don't necessarily work together, um, you know, super well. You know, like sometimes sometimes our mind is is where it should be, and our will is not, or you know, sometimes sometimes vice versa. You know, so it's um, but. As we are created, we are intended that all of those things are working in harmony with each other. Uh, we need Christ to orient our hearts toward himself. Um, and, uh, and so uh, as we continue this study, um, we're going we're gonna to look at how Christ in his office of prophet uh, speaks to the problem of our sinful mind and how Christ really kind of helps this situation and makes it where um, we can overcome uh, sin uh, as we just go through our daily lives and, and specifically as it relates to the, to the mind part of our heart. So any, any thoughts or questions, objections, whatever? Well, I was going to say, something that my wife and I use is not original with us, but we use it in counseling a lot is just the idea that you know it's important first of all to have right thoughts mm-hmm. and those right thoughts then lead to right actions which then lead to right desires okay. and and that that sequence is really important you know because oftentimes especially if you're a person that likes to go off your feelings mm-hmm. you know you're trying to make your feelings right mm-hmm. and the reality is it doesn't oftentimes work mm-hmm. you know and you know it's really important this whole thing of the mind mm-hmm. that that is preeminent you know and that that's where it starts and then it also means that sometimes when you don't feel like doing something Mm -hmm. you know if your thoughts are right Mm -hmm. and you say I'm going to do that right it's an act of the will you know then those feelings come later so I think that that phrase is really helpful when you consider this whole idea of the inner person and and how we function as people Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's really helpful because yeah it's um, it is oftentimes our affections are not where they should be, and you know if we just want to follow our affections, I mean you know that's the that's the phrase, right? Just follow your heart, right? Um, uh, then we're going to get ourselves in trouble, and sometimes we have to just say no. I'm going to do what I know is right, um, and uh, and then and yeah, God often changes the affections because of that. Ben, well, and, and just a like clarifier on that, it, that's for the one who has their faith set in Christ. Mm-hmm. For the one who doesn't, you can try that, but it's not going to work. Right, yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it, it makes all the difference uh, in the world uh, whether Christ is in the picture, because uh, really uh, if you're an unbeliever, then like all of your, all of your efforts after uh, obedience to God's law um, are in a sense just a slap in the face to God. Um, that basically you're saying I'm able to do this on my own, um, and none of it is ever pleasing to God. You're not doing it in faith. You're doing it um, in order to gain God's favor. You're doing it in order to to please men. Uh, you're doing it in order to please your own standards of you know of what you think is right. Um, only. Only for those who are in Christ does it really become possible 
to be living in a way that is pleasing to God at all. And you know, again, we, we all still continue to to not reach the standard of perfection. Um, but um, in Christ, we can have a measure of success in obeying what God's law uh, is. But um, our heart attitude will be just completely wrong if we are not uh, putting our faith in Christ. Um, so, yeah, Christ is, is absolutely central. I mean, that's, I mean, in a sense, that's kind of the theme of the book. I mean, the, the book is on the heart, but I mean, the, the subtitle, um, Orienting Your Mind, Desires, and Will Toward Christ. So that's, that's really the goal, because it's only the work of Christ. And it, as we go through each of these sections, they're, they're going to culminate in the work of Christ in our life. Um, that's really where the difference is. Um, you, you can talk about your 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 mind and your, your your will and your affections all you want, but apart from Christ, you're not really going to see uh, victory over sin at all. So. Yeah, and I think that's where in our culture, you know, sometimes people look to politics or they look to business or they look to you know some other leadership in the world to try to sort of fix the problems mm-hmm. that we have, but. The problem is, is because of naturalism, you know, and, and just the idea that God doesn't exist. Anytime they try to address life and, mm-hmm. and all these things, it's skewed mm-hmm. because God's not part of that picture. Or even if they are religious, then you know, but not Christian, mm-hmm. then their their view of God is skewed mm-hmm. and stuff. And and that's where you know it all comes back to it. it mm-hmm. God has to be, Christ has to be the center of that, you know, in order for. You know, any application that people might have of leadership has very limited usefulness. Mm-hmm. You know, because because it right. is skewed. It yeah, doesn't have the right thinking apart from Christ. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I mean, I think a part of that is is just the tendency to think that the problem is society and society structures. Yeah. Um, rather than that, the problem is in the human heart. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like, well, if we just if we just you know if we just work on the structures of society and get those adjusted properly then you know people are just going to do the right thing you know because we've 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 put them in the right environment or whatever uh, but really the issue is the human heart and unless you address the human heart you can have the best system in the world and people are still going to sit i mean that's just that's the way it is so any final thoughts or questions all right well lord willing uh, next week we will we will continue um, looking at this and seeing uh, the work of Christ as prophet. So let's uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we we thank you so much for uh, the work of Christ in our lives. And God, we thank you that you have enlightened our minds, um, that you continue to do so, that you continue to work uh, through your Word, through uh, the power of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of your word that we're about to hear, uh, Lord, that you use those things to change our minds, to cause uh, the minds of our hearts to be more focused and more directed toward you and uh, to to overcome the, the error and the deception that we are so prone to. And God, I just pray that you would continue that work, that you would enable us to see clearly what it is you have commanded us to do and God that 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 would um, 
help us as we seek to walk in a, in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. Um, and Lord, just that you would continue uh, to bless your church as you have done in the past. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.